0: Welcome to the podcast of Eden Worship Center, connecting people to God and each other. We are currently studying verse by verse through the book of Romans. For more information, visit our website at EdenWorshipCenter.co. You know, sometimes some incredibly funny things happen in church. We all know what it's like to raise kids and have these kids in church. And uh, I couldn't help but think when uh, one mom this morning had to take out her little one who was expressing his great displeasure to be taken out. Uh, I remember being in a church a number of years ago, before we started Eden, and uh, the pastor was talking about such funny situations, and uh, this one little tyke was just really giving his mom a hard time, and she finally picked him up, carried him out, and the little guy knew what was coming. In the midst of his screaming, he yells out to the congregation, pray for me! Mom's going to spank me. (laughs) Kids, come on. We love the kids in our church. Come on, kids. We're not going to spank you. But we love the kids in our church. I wish you could have seen and heard these two worshiping the Lord this morning. In fact, I uh, pulled out my... uh, my phone and took a picture of these two, I could hear them singing and just blessing the Lord. Bible says that children are a heritage from the Lord. They are a blessing, even when they frustrate us. Amen? Because they represent all of God's possibilities. Stretch out your hands. Let's pray for them, shall we? Father, we thank you for each boy, each girl, each mom, each dad, and grandpa and grandma that's represented here by these kids here today. Lord, you have placed eternity in each one of their hearts. You've got a divine destiny and a divine purpose for them. And Father, in Jesus' name, we would just call that forth, that they might grow to be the men and women of God that you desire them to be. That you will use them mightily. Bless their teachers. Uh, Give them grace as they seek to just pour the good things of the gospel into these kids. And give them grace to channel all that energy, we pray. Bless them, and we thank you for them in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Off you go. Have a great, great class. I was reminded this morning again... (coughs) I was reminded that we have a God who is much greater than we think he is. And for all of us, we need something that is bigger than we are. It's so easy to become consumed, preoccupied with ourselves, with our circumstances, and it just takes over in our lives. I was thinking, too, isn't it amazing how we live our lives as if, one, we were going to live forever, and, two, that this earth is the only thing that there is. I read a story earlier this week, pretty amazing. Story about uh, a young man. German father, who happened to be a a pastor, as a matter of fact. And if the German father would have had his way, young George would have been an attorney. He was born on the 23rd of February in 1685. Young George was the second son in a second marriage. And in spite of his father's opposition, he taught himself to play the harpsichord by the time he was seven years old. And when he finished what is arguably his best known masterpiece, he signed it with the initials S.D.G. Sole Deo Gloria. Glory to God and alone, alone. And today, The composer, George Frederick Handel, is known around the world. He's synonymous with the greatest composers that the world has ever known. His masterpiece, The Messiah, which I will resist the temptation to (laughs) break into some of that, is sung and loved around the world today. It's interesting to me. As I read earlier this week, I was reading about Handel, I was reading about Bach. And uh, they signed their manuscripts so often. S D G. And under that they would write their name. Sole Deo Gloria. Glory to God. Alone. And I realize what has happened in our culture and in our society with art and the various art forms. But I remind myself that all art, all expressions of art, in their purest form, are designed to give glory to God alone. I struggle with how Madonna gives glory to God alone. I don't think that applies. Well, the passage we're going to look at today is one of those passages as I prayed, as I prepared, I became so aware that this is a masterpiece where the less said the better. Let the glory of God alone come forth in this passage of Scripture. A few short verses that we're going to read together. If you have your Bible, open with me to Romans chapter 11. And let's stand together as we give honor to the Scriptures as we read these verses together. And my prayer is that in all that we do today, our time of singing that we've had together the time of praying together the time of looking into the word together what it's going to do is just call forth worship from the depths of our being in spite of our circumstances in spite of what's going on around us as we focus on God listen to the overflow that comes out of Paul in verse 33 oh The depths of the riches and the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments. How inscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counselor? Or who has given to him that he might be repaid? For from him, through him, and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. Lord, we want to give you glory today for who you are, not just for what you've done. We want to give you glory because of your great gift of salvation, not based on how we feel at the moment, not based on what you've done for us today, what prayer you answered or didn't answer, We want to give you glory today for who you are and to acknowledge that you are so much greater than we are. Your ways are so much higher than our ways, your thoughts far beyond our thoughts. Lord, I pray that you will call forth from the depths of our being a spirit of worship, that overflows in praise to your glorious name because we are given the privilege of being called your sons and your daughters. May your grace be magnified in our eyes and may you be glorified in all that we do and all that we say. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. It's amazing, as I worked through this passage and looked at some of these things, knowing where we've come in the first 11 chapters of the book of Romans, all that deep theology, those difficult passages, you know, where we had to deal with election and salvation by by grace through faith, looked at issues that it's it's not of our works it's not that we were born into the right family or into the uh, the right nation how many of you chose your parents don't see too many hands for what it's worth unless you were adopted your parents didn't choose you either I'm gonna get an amen from somewhere hallelujah but well, we've worked through those difficult, difficult passages of theology. And now what comes is, is almost like this volcanic eruption that's just rising out of the great apostle's heart as he just glorifies the Lord. Oh, the depths of the riches and the wisdom and the knowledge of God. It's more than I can contain. You, you just kind of get this sense of overflowing and overflowing all of this theology they've worked through. But when it's all said and done, it's about God and his glory. Paul simply can't contain his joy. Oh, the depths of the riches. All week long as I was going along doing the things that I needed to do in preparation for today and finishing out the week, kept finding myself singing that old song. It's got to be old because it's older than me, so that makes it old, right? The love of God, how rich and pure, how measureless and strong. It shall forevermore endure. The saints and angels song. Oh, love of God, how rich and pure, how measureless and strong. You know the song. Glorious, glorious theology. If we with ink the oceans filled, We couldn't begin to write all of this of his grace and his glory. And what comes out of this passage for us, I believe, is that we, like Paul, who've worked through this deep theology, some parts we understand, some parts we're still struggling to get our minds around, it should lead us into just praise to the Lord because the theology quite frankly is beyond most of us we struggle with some of this but what we see in the midst of this is this incredible God of love who chose to extend grace to us who deserved wrath and judgment this incredible God who gives us his mercy and out of that what can we say oh God how great and mighty you are glorious is your holy name. And so what we have in this section is also a bridge. It's a bridge that's taking us from those early chapters of Romans where we worked through this heavy theology Now we're having this overflow of of worship and praise. And what we're going to see in the balance of the book is that in the light of all these glorious things that God has done, here's how we need to live. Since all of this is true, even though we may struggle a bit to understand all of this theology of election and, and, and such like, because all of this is true, Here's how we ought to live. And Paul just overflows in worship. I want us in just a few brief moments to look at some of these phrases, some of these things that he says in these verses. Oh, the riches of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. It's like Paul has completed his case. And as you recall, in much of the early chapters of Romans you could really picture this as a as a court proceedings that is taking place and as Paul is presenting his arguments his judgments to uh, to the jury and now he's answered the question how could a just god punish sin and yet save sinners See, so that's one of the great debates of those first 11 chapters. How could a just God do this? How often have we heard people, when some tragic strikes, say, how could a just God do that? How could a loving God do that? Or as we heard last week, people say, well, my God doesn't do things like that. <laughs> well, they don't know God. And their God has a small G. Because we understand God's mercy and His grace demands judgments. You see, it's His wisdom that supplies the solution. And yet God's wisdom is far beyond our ability to comprehend. There's something about us as North Americans. We want to be able to understand things. We want to be able to explain things. We want to be able to get our minds around it. And if we can't, we just tend to dismiss it. I am so thankful that there are things about God that I don't understand. Because if I could understand God, then God would be too small, and I wouldn't need him. Paul talks about the mystery of the faith as he writes to the Colossians. There are some things that need to remain a mystery, and we'll talk a little bit more about that in a few moments. But God is so much bigger than we are. And some of what we've lost, I believe, in North America is a sense of the majesty of God, the holiness of God. I had a pastor talking to me earlier this week over coffee, and we were talking, and he was was saying, you know, there are some places where where Christians, young, young people, younger Christians, are making a return, and they want liturgy. They want pageantry. I thought about that a lot. And I believe at the heart of what they want is some sense of of the majesty of God. Now, I love the fact that I didn't have to wear a tie today. If you're wearing a tie, Elliot, good for you. I remember the first Sunday that I came to church and I didn't have a tie on people thought revival had broke out. Because I used to wear a tie every day. Even the days back when, when my office was in our house, call it a crutch, but I used to wear a tie every day because I had to feel like I had to do something to feel like I was going to work. So I was bound to wearing ties. I still like to wear ties. I love that we can come together as we are. I love the fact some of you are sitting there with a cup of coffee in your hand. I love the fact that we can come together and we can be who we are. God accepts us for who we are. But you know, there's another side to that. And the other side to that is that we become so casual in coming to church, we come so casual in worship that we lose the sense of the majesty and the holiness of God. And I'm convinced that if we would see even a measure of His majesty and His holiness, we would all be on our faces before God. We wouldn't be saying, well, Lord, glad you showed up today. We'd be on our faces. Now, you know me well enough. You know I'm not suggesting for a moment that we become legalistic or anything like that. But I am saying that what we need to consciously, intentionally work at is reminding ourselves of the majesty and the holiness of God. And to to realize that the scripture is true. Whether we feel it or not has nothing to do with it. The scripture is true. And when two or three of us gather together in his name, he is in the midst of us. If we had eyes to see his eternal presence with us, We would be on our faces before Him. And you see, being the kind of congregation that we are, having the kind of worship atmosphere that we do, where we come in casual but nice attire, it's easy to miss the majesty and the holiness of God the glory of the Father. Now, I'm not one who is taken in by a lot of ritual and things like that, but I believe that when we step into eternity, we are going to be overwhelmed by the majesty and the holiness and the pageantry that is before the living God. I thought a lot about what that pastor was saying to me this week. And I believe that some of this really arose, this pageantry and and some of the ritual and the liturgy rose certainly from the people's lack of understanding and their lack of education, but it was also an attempt to communicate some of the majesty and the holiness and the glory of God. But suffice us to say, God's far beyond our human ability to comprehend. Paul says there, how unsearchable are his judgment and inscrutable his ways. If you have a King James translation, it will say uh, his ways are past finding out. Now that doesn't mean we shouldn't try to find out. That doesn't mean we shouldn't do our homework. It doesn't mean we can say, well, you know, God's so much bigger than I am, uh, I'll just give up. You know, it's like men who get together. And how many of you men have you heard it said, who can understand a woman? Who can figure them out? Now, see, some of you men are laughing because you know what I'm talking about. Some of you ladies are laughing too, not quite so loud because you know it's true. And yet the Bible says, commands us as men, live with your wife in an understanding way. According to knowledge is what it literally means there. So it may seem like an impossible task, but we need to still put our best efforts forward. Well, apply this towards God. Let's not get sidetracked into uh, the women's thing. Paul uses two distinct and very descriptive words here. Unsearchable, inscrutable. I read something. Let me just read to you what one writer said. So unfathomable are the wisdom and the knowledge of God that man can never descend to the bottom of that wisdom to search it out, nor can he trace it through history because it is beyond possibility to follow completely far beyond us and yet I think of the prayer of Moses in Exodus 33 where God says to Moses you found favor in my sight God says to Moses basically okay move away because I'm gonna destroy the children of Israel and Moses says to God you can't do that because your name is at stake and then Moses says this to God since you have found favor Since you say I found favor in your sight, let me know your ways that I might know you, that I might find favor in your sight. Moses understood he had God's divine favor, but he also knew that the more intimately he knew the ways of God, the more intimately he would know God, and the more intimately he knew God, the more of God's favor he would be able to walk in experientially. What I want to encourage us to is don't become overwhelmed about what you don't know. So often we look at God and the wisdom of God and the knowledge of God and you say, Oh, it is so far beyond me. And so we just give up. Because how could I ever understand all of this completely? Don't focus on what you don't understand. Take what God has shown you and what you know now and you walk in that. And you begin to apply that in your life. And the more you walk in what God has shown you, the more he will show you more things. And the glorious thing is there is no end to his wisdom. You never get to the place where you know it all. Because he has so much more. And like Paul, you say, oh, the riches, the depth of the wisdom of God. The more I find, the more there is to find. And the more exciting it becomes. I never come to the end of this. See, our problem is we look at what we don't understand and what we don't comprehend and we say, oh, this is beyond me. And we just give up. But if we will start to just walk in what we know, what he shows us, that treasure that we do have and we can get a hold of, then suddenly God begins to open up more and more and more and more, and we see the treasure house is unlimited. I like that movie, National Treasure. If you remember when they get down underneath there and it's dark and they take the torch and they start to, to light that, I don't know what it was, channel way that had oil or whatever it had in, suddenly the light just begins to go through and it, you just see the treasure just goes on and on and on and on and on. I'm going to have to watch that movie again. I haven't watched it for a while. <laughs> I love that part, because the treasure just goes on and on and on and on, and folks, the treasure goes on on and on and on and on and on, and it becomes more and more and more and more glorious. That's the overflow that's just coming out of Paul, and he just, he can't contain himself and then he asks this rhetorical question who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor now it's a question that's not meant to be answered directly because God's knowledge his wisdom there's no end to the depths of that but it is a reminiscent thought back to what Isaiah said in Isaiah 55 uh, 8 and 9 For he says, my thoughts, this is God speaking, my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declare the Lord. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. There's things we simply don't understand. I read this week, and perhaps some of you in your Bible... There is a wealth of things. If you have a study Bible, there's, there's a wealth of things. And in mind there's this little center column with cross-references that are pretty glorious. Uh, there's a cross-reference to Deuteronomy 29, 29, where it says, the secret things belong to the Lord. And I'm paraphrasing the last, last part that says, but the things that he has revealed to us are for us to be able to walk in. There are things that God keeps secret, not try- because He's trying to hold things back from us, but because He is God. And there are things we simply do not understand about God, nor will we this side of eternity. And that's okay. Paul says, Who's been His counselor? It's a clear implication here that God and God alone, without the help of anyone, devised the plan of salvation. Believe it or not, God doesn't need our help. Believe it or not, you and I are not smarter than God and when bad things come in our lives that's when we begin to question god say god do you really know what you're doing well he does because his ways are higher than our ways his thoughts are far beyond our thoughts and he has an eternal purpose and plan i thought so much as rose shared this morning i thought as we sang together and i appreciated the 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 way jason framed things for us I thought of so many of the songs that we sing. I I thought of the Negro spiritual, born out of suffering and slavery. thought about the great hymns of the church, most of them coming out of times of crisis when life didn't make sense. And what a glorious truth it is that More than us holding on to God, God holds on to us. He is our sustainer. I remember for a long time I tried to hold on to God's hand, but you know what? I let go. Sometimes on purpose and sometimes just because I don't have the strength to hold on. But how many of us have parents, there's been a time when that child of ours who was walking beside us would start to slip and they were holding our hand and what did we do? We grabbed a hold of them because we weren't going to let go. We sang that this morning to God, you never let go. And there are times when we're in the midst of things When we're in the midst of that crisis we're in the midst of that circumstance that makes no sense and the pain and the darkness seems overwhelming when we have to actually talk to ourselves how many of you know it's a good thing to talk to yourself once in a while david did david said soul bless the lord bless the lord oh my soul sometimes sometimes you need to talk to yourself in the midst of that darkness in the midst of that chaos you need to say soul you bless god Stop looking at your situation. Stop looking at your circumstances. And you look at him, and you bless him. Because he's God, and though your world is shaking, the hands that hold us securely never tremble. That's good news to me. I see that insurance commercial that says you're in good hands with that company, and you've already got it in your mind. What a glorious truth is that the one who holds us in his hands never trembles when our world is shaking. If you don't get anything else out of this morning, I pray that that will get down into your spirit and you'll take that with you and it will sustain you not only today but tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow. That the God who created the universe holds you securely in your hand, in his hand. And even though it seems like your world is shaking and crumbling, his hands are not trembling. Paul goes into another overflow, and I have a a slide for you for this, uh, from Ephesians chapter 1. Uh, Actually, it's several um, slides because it's a long passage where Paul just says, Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundations of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. I love this. In love he predestined us. I love that in love he predestined us for the adoption of sons through jesus christ according to the purpose of his will to the praise of his glorious grace which he has blessed us in the beloved that's our security and he did this before the foundations of the world Before God declared, let there be light and there was light. God blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That's more than my mind can comprehend. But God made that decision about you and me before he spoke a creative word to bring this universe into existence. Paul says also, who's given him a gift? Now what Paul is, uh, a gift that he should repay. Actually, Paul is going back and he's quoting from Job chapter 41 and verse 11 where God says, who has first given to me that I should repay him? Whatever is under the whole heavens is mine. Paul just can't resist this principle of grace. He's been building on that in these first 11 chapters, and he just comes back to it again. It's what God has done. It's not something that we have earned. God's not under obligation to man. I decided after prayer to... uh, Run for uh, Little Grange County Council again. Politicians are strange creatures. In some respects, politicians are and preachers are the same. You go to a restaurant, politicians and preachers are the same. They're all working the tables. <laughs> that was an inside joke. If you don't get it, it's OK. But it's interesting. And people who support an individual for political office who donate to their campaign or do things suddenly there is now influence. That politician owes me. I put a sign in my yard for him. You can have one of my signs if you want. I actually got some signs, but it doesn't say Pope. Where did that come from? God's not under obligation to any man. He doesn't owe anyone anything. You know what? He doesn't owe me anything. In His mercy and grace, He chose to forgive me. I deserved wrath, I deserved judgment, but He gave me grace. He doesn't owe me anything you know what God doesn't owe me an explanation and yet what is it that that you and I do when something happens what is our first response why God now if you said why God welcome to the human race we've all done that but you know what he doesn't owe us an explanation he's God And he can do what he believes he's supposed to do he's God now let's bring this together I love this I love the way Paul ends this chapter for from him and through him and to him are all things God's the reason for our very existence All things have their source in God. He's their originator. He's their sustainer. He is the highest goal and glory. Turn to Colossians chapter 3. When I was reading through this passage of Scripture... These, these verses in Colossians chapter 3 just came to me so powerfully. Uh, uh, Colossians chapter 1, I'm sorry. Colossians chapter 1 begins in verse 15. I think I have this up on the screen for you if you don't have a Bible, but we're almost done here. There's a powerful thing. He, that's the Lord Jesus. He is the image of the invisible God the firstborn of all creation, for by him, say by him, by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, and all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Wow you understand why the winds and the waves had to obey Jesus on the Sea of Galilee remember that night in the storm and he stood up and he said peace be still do you know why they had to obey him yes he's God but they were created in him through him and for him and in him they held together they didn't have any choice they had to obey their Creator I just threw that in verse 18 And he's the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might have preeminence, for in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of the cross. See, in the circle of eternity whether it's past whether it's present or whether it's future the lord jesus christ is our all in all and to him alone belongs the glory there's a i like history as you know there was a thing that uh, was accepted scientific fact and every time I hear today people saying well this is a scientific fact I want you to know there were many scientific facts that were accepted as being unquestionably true one of those and it ruled supreme for over a thousand years as accepted scientific fact was the geocentric theory, the Earth-centered theory. Actually, came through an interesting guy by the name of Ptolemy, and uh, he was down in Egypt. And there's a lot of cool things about this guy. Ptolemy believed that the Earth was the center of the universe and that the sun and the moon and the stars and the planets were all in orbit around the earth. That was accepted scientific fact for generations, for a thousand years. Wasn't until people like Isaac Newton, some others who theories of gravity and some of these things uh, that the geocentric theory was disproved and yet what's interesting to me today is that we know that the geocentric theory is not true we know that the earth isn't flat they believed it was flat that was accepted scientific fact and if you dared to disagree with accepted scientific fact you were considered an idiot or a heretic isn't it interesting today we have documented Scientific facts. And if you disagree with them, yeah, all sorts of things are being said about you. Now, this is coming from a guy who likes science, studied geology in college, and loves all this stuff. So I'm making a bit of a joke here, but I'm also making a very real point. It's interesting that inevitably, science validates and confirms what the Bible says science is still in the process of catching up that's another statement here's a point I want to make we know today that the earth is not the center of the universe we know that our earth is in orbit around our Sun we know that our Sun is only a medium-sized star we know that the galaxies are infinite And we have this thick band of stars out there called the Milky Way. The interesting thing is, we don't know which side of the Milky Way we're on. Oh, the depths of the wisdom and the riches and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable are His ways. They are far beyond us. But you know what my problem is? And with this, I want to close. Is that far too often, I live my life based on the geocentric theory worship team if you want to come we're going to begin to worship here in a minute but i live my life as if i was the center of god's universe i live my life as if everything revolved around me and then I wonder why I become discouraged and depressed when things don't go my way anybody know what I'm talking about how quickly we turn our focus and here's Paul writing to the Romans Paul during a time of imprisonment a time of uncertainty not knowing from a natural sense, whether he was going to live or die. He's on trial for his life. And yet in the midst of this, he brings this glorious focus of God's amazing grace and brings us to this passage that just overflows in worship. Because you see, he's not focusing on himself or his circumstances, but on the greatness of God. Stand together and pray with me. Lord, I thank you for your word. But I also ask you to forgive me this morning. Forgive us, because all of us are so guilty of saying, God, you are great, nothing is impossible to you. And then we turn around and we live our lives as if we were the center of your universe. forgive us Lord forgive us for making ourselves greater than you forgive us Lord Lord if you never answered another prayer for us if you never blessed us with another blessing it's enough just to know that our sins are forgiven They are under the blood we have been grafted into the true vine you have welcomed us into the beloved oh god forgive us for just focusing on ourselves and not really focusing on you and your greatness your wisdom which is so far beyond our ability to even begin to comprehend. Lord, let worship just arise out of our hearts. Let us not focus on the things we don't understand. But Father, that bit of revelation you've given to us, let it rise up within us in worship and praise to you. And may that revelation begin to control not only our worship, but how we live our lives so that our lives become a daily expression of worship for your praise, for your glory. Glory to your holy name. To you belongs all the glory and only to you. Hallelujah.